cool. So, all right, excellent. So yeah, so the the whole concept that I kind of want to go for is uh, more of like a open discussion. I don't really like the whole you know question answer question answer thing. I think it's kind of kind of limiting. So that's that's not how it's gonna go. So don't worry about that. Okay, cool. It's because I'm not prepared. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> like I I like uh, what I've done for everyone else is like I'll. I'll go on and I'll, you know, listen to a bunch of their stuff and I'll make some notes and I've made notes of your stuff. But for the most part, it's just going to be like, you know, pretty open conversation. Everyone, everyone I've talked to so far, it was pretty, you know, nobody really like froze up. Like we'll kind of just keep the conversation going as it will and go from there. Yeah, we'll probably manage. I mean, I'm I'm phoning with people f as a job, so it should be okay. I should be able to fill the silence, worst case. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so I'm just going to, uh, I'll just spout off my little intro here, and then uh, we'll kind of just go from there. Yeah, let's roll. All right. So hello, everybody. This is TJ Sokolik here with Visionary Objet Da, the sister channel to the ever-excellent Crank Playthings. They're running out of the 8K Collective based in New Zealand. You can check out Crank Playthings and many other awesome, a lot more awesome shit over at 8K.nz. You can go over there for some super high quality streams. And today we have with us a very, very special guest coming from us from Berlin, Germany. We have Agamagon. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, it's fine like that. All right, perfect. So... Uh, do you want, for the duration, do you want me to refer to you as Agamagon or is Art going to be all right? Uh, you can you can say Art, you can say Agamagon, you can say Lars, I don't mind. Whatever rolls best with you. <laughs> I, I, I just like to ask because I know some people like to kind of stick with use the that cloak. pseudonym. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if uh, if Art works for you, then we'll, uh, we'll go with that. How's that? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right, cool. So... Why don't you give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of a history and rundown uh, the beginnings of uh, Gamagon? Oh wow! Um, well, basically, I was well. Let me think. When did that stuff start? We have 2017 now, so I started being in a hardcore punk band as a screamer around 2010, which was like my first run in with like actual music, like actual making stuff myself after having been in like the scene so to speak, for a few years. Um, and that kind of broke down because our, um, our drummer left and our guitar player was kind of looking to focus on like his producing career, which he's very successful with um, by now, like making techno music on like vinyl and stuff like that. Um, so I was kind of out in the cold for a few months, not having like any kind of regular expression. Um, and I had this weird habit at the time of just listening to like podcasts and talks from like university bullshit and playing music at the same time in the background. And um, yeah, one day I happened to listen to Incapacitance from Japan um, while going through some hip hop acapellas from some guys I knew. And I was like, hey, that actually sounds really good together. Um, so I made my first track like I just without knowing anything, like a complete idiot, I picked up Audacity and just spliced the two things together and was like, hey, this is dope. I'm gonna run with this, like this is gonna be my thing. And um, yeah, started uh, started making music under a different name back then, knowing absolutely nothing. <laughs> and it kind of evolved from there. 
I just kept growing and growing, updating my skills, learning more stuff. And yeah, this has been going on for like the last, yeah, four to five years now. Had a little spill with art school in between based on that stuff. Like I applied to an art school in Hamburg, Germany with uh, some of my work. They took me, which was surprising in the end because overall it was completely pointless for me. Um, yeah, now I'm just uh, just chilling with that, trying to trying to make more stuff, posting on Reddit a lot, trying to build like a little bit of a following on SoundCloud, trying to hang with musicians and see where it goes. Well, it, to me, it sounds like that's a bit of uh, a bit of an, a really honest approach to go for because if you've kind of started something knowing nothing then you really give yourself that you know outsider art uh, beginnings because you know you don't really have any outside influences or any sort of anything else really sort of steering where you want to go yeah there's definitely not a lot of like i mean there is like a certain input of course from like the things i listen to myself and like kind of the i mean and kind of like I, w I was just in the beginning just going for like taking out aggression in a way which also has really changed um but yeah there's no like there's n there was at least in the beginning like no music theory or anything like i didn't know i didn't know how to count a beat let's be honest here like i <laughs> i was completely innocent uh when it comes to like any musical structure and that definitely allowed me to uh, i would say build some habits to make like stuff that's a bit out of the norm that stuck even after I got myself more educated. Well, I, I think there, there's a lot of value in that because like I said, it, it kind of gives you that outsider art influence and you'll never, you'll never listen to something that you've done and be like, Oh, I was doing a lot of this at that time. I mean, you're always going to have those, have those recordings and have that documentation and sort of remember where you were, uh, basically coming up from absolute zero and you can see how far you've come and how much you've broadened your sound. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, I mean, the, the switch alone from basically using other people's material and just splicing it together to growing to the point where I design like 90% of my own sounds, like that alone was like a huge freaking change, but it's like still... It's still different from learning, like from having like an academic perspective or like a musician's perspective to it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think if you're able to splice musicians, separate musicians' work together, I think that gives you sort of a unique ear too, and sort of that one foot in this uh, in mashup culture. I mean, one of my one of my favorite mashup artists. I'm sure you might have heard of him. Is Girl Talk. I heard the name. I never listened to his stuff, to be honest, but I heard the name. Oh, if 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 you had any sort of uh, any sort of interest in in mashup artists, I would definitely give his his album All Day a listen. And he all he it it's what it boils down to is pretty much like '80s new wave music and modern pop music that he that he mashes together. But the beginning of that album is. Uh, get out the way mixed in with war pigs by sabbath oh wow and it's it's just that the entire time but it it's interesting because it it just takes these separate artists music and it just recontextualizes it i remember at one point i i actually said that when i when i hear a girl talk track now i don't hear 
two different songs i'm hearing a girl talk track Mm -hmm. yeah i completely get what you mean like that's i mean that's what you want to reach if you're going for like mashup or remix culture like you you don't want to be like you don't want to end up like mtv mashups where it's like oh yeah it's those two songs and it sounds kind of annoying together you want to transfer it into something completely different yeah absolutely and then and it, it for for the tracks that Girl Talk uses, especially in that album, because I've listened to it so many times, I find it really hard to listen to any sort of any song that was in that without thinking of the other track that it was accompanied by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I so get it was that. a really a really effective mashup. I found it to be a really yeah a really effective mashup. Like another one that he did was. Uh, Shimmy Shimmy Ya by ODB mixed up with Creep by Radiohead. Oh wow! <laughs> and it's and every time every time I hear like the instrumental to Creep, I just kind of start spitting off some ODB lyrics in my head, and I'm like, he's he's ruined not ruined this for me, but I but like, I can't do it yeah, anymore. It's, it's fused in your mind. Yeah, I get that uh, completely. But the, I think the other thing that I uh, that I noted while I was while I was listening, and I think. I think it does kind of relate to the approach that you were taking. Uh, so the the few tracks that I listened to off of off of your SoundCloud, I got a really sort of uh, I really got this sort of sense that it was um, it almost could be intended as more of a score for something. Mm -hmm. Like it, it it felt like it could be like uh, the score to you know some sort of uh, some sort of horror installation or something like that. Like it was, it was really sort of ethereal to the point where it felt like it should be, like I said, scoring something. Is is that something that you've been shooting for? Or is that a bit of uh well, it's, it's not directly like, I'm not sitting down, like imagining, um, like imagining, okay, this is like the kind of situation that I would like to make like a score or a soundtrack for. Um, but I've definitely like I've I've drifted into that kind of direction more and more because I started trying to, well, not be more approachable. That's maybe the wrong word, but um, that's like the one positive thing I learned in art school is that um, if I want to, I mean, my goal has always been to make music that is a bit uncomfortable for people, and mm -hmm. um, I would say that I used to have like a very blunt instrument approach to that like the things i used to make were all like very loud very aggressive very straightforward um i had a long phase where my tracks were like i don't think i made anything less than 20 minutes long for like two years um just going crazy with with looping stuff and layering on more and more and more and more and more effects and um while that kind of played well with the people i knew that were into like noise music um my experience was that people that are like not accustomed to this kind of sounds that weren't already like listening to throbbing gristle all day and considering that like n nice chill out music <laughs> um like just couldn't relate like you you cannot you cannot draw like well not even like normal people like i'm not aiming for like pop listeners but a lot of people who are not already into that kind of music they just shut off when you go that hard um so I try to refine myself a bit more and be a bit more subtle and a bit more, well, atmospheric. And that definitely um, pushed my, my music into a direction where, yeah, I agree. It definitely um, became more and more akin to like a score or a soundtrack. Um, a friend of mine recently, um, recently said about my music that it reminds him of Hans Zimmer on Ketamine. 
<laughs> was like, okay. <laughs> That's a great comparison. That is, that is something I can definitely run with. I, I like that and I like going there and I would love to um, be able to connect with some like visual artists and video artists in the future and actually do scores. So, so there is this sort of sense in the direction that you're moving now that you do want to make the the signature the signature agamagon sound but you want to make it a little bit more palatable to someone you know who might not like you said just sit around listening to wall noise all day you really want to be able to reach out to more people who might turn away from it and show them that it can be something more yeah definitely like i mean i i wanted to be like I, I want it to be the kind of thing that you like that draws you in slowly and after a few minutes you're like wow this is making me uncomfortable this is creepy this is dark but not like not like the kind of thing that within like the first 20 seconds you're like either this is for me or this is not for me like I'm trying to to work with I mean for example I don't know if you listen to um if you listen to Planet of the East which is something I did a while ago yeah um with like the the string samples from like uh, um kultum from the 70s like classical yeah, yeah, arabian yeah. music yeah that's the kind of piece that's just like um i mean the original is beautiful and haunting and experimental like crazy but it's like it i i found it an interesting to challenge to take like that kind of sound like beautiful harmonic strings and try to push it where a point where it gets more irritating over time so drawing people in with something where they might be, hey, that's familiar, that's interesting, like, it's a bit ethereal, but I, I get it, like, I know this. And then constructing it in a way that people go like, oh, this is actually, this this is weird. Rather than just hitting them over the head with, like, a wall of uh, overdrive and screams. <laughs> which, which, which I agree, I think that there is a lot of value to that, because... Um, a lot of the, a lot of the people that I've talked to and a lot of people that I know who do this sort of thing who do noise they have a very a very opposite approach where they they really aren't too concerned with whoever's listening to it and it's a lot more for them and it, that's kind of myself included as well where it's not really for anyone else it's not for them and we know that the people who are going to be finding it are either going to like it or they're not going to like it so I think it's a really interesting approach to want to bring someone to bring someone in to have a sort of sound that isn't going to turn someone off or something another sound that will actually draw people in and then once they're kind of stuck there to sort of to sort of then shoot through your ideas of that uncomfortableness and that and that desire to want to you know rattle something inside of the listener yeah that's definitely i mean the the thing about that is, is like it's a difficult slope to walk on like, I mean, it's really easy to try and go down that route and just, I mean, there is a lot of, of soundtrack style music out there and there is a lot of like ambient-ish music out there that um, people would maybe even say they're going for the same thing, but um, I don't know. Like, I often feel like it's it's very easy to like to like get lost in the approachableness so to say like you're just um it's really easy to like make something that is too consumable in a way just as it is mm -hmm. easy to just be like okay i as someone who like loves noise music um i think this is super sick but other people are just gonna be like yeah well this is well noise to me i'm not gonna give that a listen like go for that you do you but uh they're not gonna get stuck with it so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a line to walk in my opinion to like hit the hit the right spot there 
and I I know exactly the line that uh, I know exactly the line that you're talking about because my my girlfriend is not she's not into this music like at all like she's super supportive of the fact that I do it and of this show so a big a big shout out to her thank you Janessa but ultimately she's not into this music and I know that I know exactly what you mean with this fine line because I've I can play her any opposite ends of the spectrum I mean I can play her you know. For example, I could play her like a Tim Hecker record for my collection, and it's it, there's no initial drawn. It's very you know minimalist, and she's kind of you know indifferent, doesn't want to start with the listen to it. But if you go to the other side, and I put on, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a it's a Hair Police record, and it's just she's just immediately turned off by it because it's so abrasive to begin with. So it's a sort of fine line where you want something to draw them in, and then kind of bring that um to bring that focus somewhere else where they realize that they're they've already started they're already they're already kind of stuck and now they're they're in for the ride yeah exactly like you basically i mean you want to people i mean i also had like a, a comparable experience um of that with my wife um who is like a big influence recently um on my music a lot of the stuff i work with um is inspired by her and her biography and our experiences together um like for example i um i recently did one track um at night there are stars blue and white which is um which contains voice samples from a phone re conversation she had with her dad when she was like eight years old maybe six years old um and which vo like in hebrew because my uh, my wife's from israel originally and um that was like there was like some really creepy stuff in that conversation like it was really weird and interesting um but she's like the, the like that's the kind of thing where like um she's also like she's not a noise head like if i just um take out yeah some like crazy wall noise uh stuff she's just gonna be like yeah i i, I get it but i don't like it please turn that off it stresses me um which i which i get to a certain degree i mean it is like you, you need to be into this kind of thing to like stand it but um mm -hmm. finding like the the records in my collection that like yeah hit that line perfectly like there is some of the um, like some of the like middle neubauten stuff for example like i'm a huge uh huge 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 neubauten fan i discovered them when i was like 14 and um like that the transition of that band for example from like crazy early industrial hitting on metal objects and screaming um to like a more also more like orchestral approach is like something that i can really relate to because in the middle of it like not the super late stuff that they play in like the big orchestra halls and it's just kind of harmless in a way but like in the middle of their discography there are like these tracks that are just at the right point of like it's beautiful it's atmospheric it's haunting but it's it's melodic it draws you in but it still has these still has these elements it still has these this instrumentation and it still makes you feel well uncomfortable and tripped out but after like three or four minutes mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like that that outsider's perspective um in the sense of like someone who's not in the scene and not into this kind of music that like really um really shaped my my perspective and changed the way i i write and compose without without knowing it they sort of hit that exact mark that you strive to hit yeah exactly so with uh, what you said uh, just 
uh, a couple minutes ago, you said that your wife, that you had that recording from the phone conversation that your wife had. Um, so, she, and she, yeah, you said she was from Israel and that she, the whole, the entire conversation was in Hebrew. So do, do you understand any of the phone call? Um, I understand like a few bits and pieces, like I'm learning, um, but I'm far from being able to like hold a conversation. Like I, c I can buy vegetables. That's like, and give directions. That's about my level. Um, but when we discovered these tapes, um, we listened to it together and she, uh, she translated it for me. So I do know, um, the content of my material and I have somewhere, somewhere on this computer is like a huge file, um, that contains, uh, the translations to every single sample with like numbers and time codes. And then there's a huge list of samples and like, uh, that are named in both languages. So I can kind of, so, but it was like quite the process to work with it because I cannot understand it fluently. So every time that I found something that I was like, okay, acoustically, this sounds right here. I had to go back and see, but what does it say? Does mm -hmm. it make sense from like, a, from like a, a lyrical perspective as well? which was quite the act to go through, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. But I, I just asked because I, I'm, I'm curious because obviously you took the approach where you understood, at least you understood what was being said and you took enough care in the composition aspect of it to only place these recordings uh, where they would fit lyrically and where it made sense. So... You know, if somebody somebody who listens and they understand Hebrew, they're gonna get it and they're gonna understand, you know, where they're sitting in this recording and you know what's happening. Mm -hmm. So there is this sort of this this sense of care and craftsmanship where you're taking these samples. But I think a lot of the times when people use, and I like to I like <clears throat> sorry no problem I like I like to say they like to use the tool of using a separate language because it sort of creates this this barrier. And it almost sort of reminds me of uh, the scene in Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if you've seen the movie. I didn't, but I'm acquainted with it. Uh, there's there's a scene in the movie where where Andy Dufresne is working in the warden's office, and he sort of just locks the door, and so nobody else can get in. And he brings out like the microphone they use to talk to all the inmates in the yard through the speakers, and he sets up this Italian. Uh, opera record and he just drops the needle on it and puts the microphone beside it and they all just everyone can hear this record now and the whole time they're trying to break into the office to stop you know they don't want the inmates hearing this 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 wonderful opera music but everybody's hearing it and Morgan Freeman has a line where he says to this day I still have no clue what those women were saying mm -hmm. but it but it was beautiful and to me, I think there is there is something to be said of that. I mean, you can't, even if you don't speak the language, even if there is a language barrier to what you're listening to, there still can be a lot of emotion and a lot of, just a lot of this sense that there is so much, so much emotion and so much to be said of someone, even though there's this giant barrier between you, even though you're from two different worlds. Definitely. I mean... It is a bit of like, uh, again, it comes down to walking the line, right? Like, um, it is very easy to like pick something that uh, you do not understand and that might sound, um, that might convey like a sense of exoticism um, to the listeners you're going for without like really caring 
um, or really knowing about the material. Like, I don't necessarily judge that in any way. I'm just saying, like, for me, it's very important um, to always work with things that I know what it's about, to always have some some kind of context. And then going for then going for a result which works without that context, but knowing for myself that like I I know what's going on. Um, I worked. I mean, I I kind of had to deal with that from the very beginning because like I am uh, I am German. I used a lot of like German language samples for a while, and um, when I started hanging out more like on reddit and dealing more with soundcloud and basically like pushing my music out of my own personal circle of friends that immediately kind of became an issue like is is the track still good like does it sound engaging and emotional and interesting enough if you don't understand the words um mm -hmm. so i learned pretty early to like focus on that but overall sure i mean if um the the best things work um work on both like on both sides of the equation like you can have the the smartest and most amazing and most engaging lyrics um if someone who doesn't understand the language doesn't feel the um feel the content then uh then i wouldn't be satisfied with that if it was my track let's put it that way <laughs> and and that's fair to say and i mean i i think there would always be this sort of sense of worry too because you know you, if you put something out on a track and it was in a different language and then, you know, you're like, oh, cool, like, it's this really cool, like, I don't know, like, Swedish recording thing and it sounds really, like, weird and trippy. And then somebody who actually speaks Swedish listens to it and they're like, no, this is actually just a cut-up track of somebody buying fish or something. <laughs> like, it's it's going to make you look really, like, really hacky. So, I mean, I, I, think that, I think there is something to be said of having, you know, something that people aren't going to quite understand or you're sort of understanding that your audience maybe won't quite get it, but taking enough care and enough. Yeah, it's, uh, I blanked taking enough care to, uh, to really know and understand what you're putting in there. So if it does happen that somebody comes across, you know, somebody comes across your recording and there's this big, you know, vocal section of purely French words and then I listen to it and go, oh, okay, that's super cool. And then if I ever show it to anybody who doesn't speak French, I can explain what's happening. Mm -hmm. And they can sort of give them that context. But even without that translation, it would still it would still convey a strong message. But once it – you don't want your art to fall apart because somebody was able to basically call you out for just – you know, using it for aesthetic purpose. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, that's like, I think that's, um, I mean, that's, that can be said for like any part of it. Like, I guess, I mean, it is similar to like, um, to like questions of like composition as well. Like it's, it's very possible and easy to, um, to write like beat patterns, for example, or uh, harmonies or chord uh, progressions that, um, that can be like that you're like okay this sounds really cool this is really interesting and then you have someone who's like versed in music uh walking up to your stuff and is like yeah well um i totally hear where you stole that from because like this is just beethoven on a synthesizer <laughs> like for like <laughs> as like i don't know stupid example off the top of my head nothing nothing real based on it but you know what i mean like there is a certain um 
there's a certain trickiness to making like if you want to build mystery and if you want to have something that's that's engaging for all kinds of audiences you're always gonna have to manage to find some kind of expression or language which works if the person who's listening to it understands it but which also works if the person who listens to it is not fluent so to say exactly and i find well i find that would be a little bit more true on the language side of things but i mean just because of the nature of of noise music itself and anybody being able to sort of listen and be like, oh, like this, you used this for this, or I could really hear this in this recording. I find when you deconstruct it in that way, it doesn't, it would never take away from the art itself. I mean, when I first, uh, when I first started all this and I started talking to, to James from, who runs uh, Crank Playthings, when I started listening to his stuff and my favorite album that he put out was uh, Wittershins. Mm -hmm. And when I listened to it, I, I noted really heavily that it was, um, that it was very much based in being able to, or not being able to, but, but sampling, sampling f real life sounds and distorting them. Field recordings. And uh, yeah, using the field recordings and really going, um, really going through in that way and I and I was able to able to pick that up because the sounds were familiar and I know um, how that works but by being able to point that out and deconstructing it it's to me it still didn't take anything away that because, is a good because piece. I'm so, sorry for just, interrupting you but but like then it's then it's a then it's a good piece like if it still holds up if you if you get it if you can deconstruct it and it's still good then props to James for being able to make something that holds up when you understand it Exactly. And I think I think that is so important, but I mean even just because of the nature of noise music and just this type of music in general, I still don't think even even if it it is it falls under that criteria of it being a good piece because I I kind of figured it out and it still sounded good and it was still great. Even then, I mean, when you break it down, and you're able, or even if you just explain, you know, your your noise recipe, so to speak, for for somebody else, um, I don't really think it loses anything because no matter what you're doing, it's always gonna have something to say about it. I mean, I did a recording with uh, an old duo of mine, Virgins, and the it was a two track EP, and it was called the Depressions EP, and the entire first track was literally we just we somehow got my my USB interface to work for one day. It never worked before or after, but it worked for one day. And we had a mic that I borrowed from a friend of mine. And we literally just recorded us, uh, you know, saying things, singing things, yelling things into this microphone. And we had about, you know, 12 different tracks between the two of us. And we just pushed them all down into one track and then just distorted the shit out of it. And it was... It, it to this day it's it's one of my favorite recordings that I've done and it's just so it's just so haunting and abrasive and it was like well like how did you do this it's like that's literally just voices or the second track was we would just literally grab our grab the mic from like the interface because it was still working and you know we'd throw it in like the drawer underneath the oven wow hit rec hit record and then just like kick it and then we'd do another track where we'd like put it like under underneath a pot like the pot was kind of like a shell and we'd hit that pot and then we'd you know do something else like that we did a bunch of stuff like that and then we just 
distorted the shit out of it. And it came across the same way, but it was like, well, how did, like, if somebody asked, you know, how did you make this? Like, this is so, like, abrasive and noisy. It's like, no, we literally just, like, beat up my friend's kitchen for an hour. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, like, the thing, though. Um, I mean, being able to to get that kind of results from... I mean, I don't, I don't know about, like, your experience, but um, I've spent a ton of times in, like, noise shows um of different calibers and i do definitely like i mean again i'm not like i'm not i i would never ever like criticize anyone for like expressing themselves the way they want and if the music sounds sounds cool i'm totally down with like whatever method like in the i mean in the end the workflow doesn't really matter but i did feel like um in at least in the scene that i like went to shows with there is a certain like fetishizing of certain gear like everybody use like everybody uses the same analog overdrive modules and everybody uses the similarly constructed feedback loops um like that's the kind of like situation where i feel like okay if i can go through an evening with like five performers and they have the same five machines at the center of their their setup and you can hear that as well um that i personally get a little bit bored you know like i'm i'm not um i i'm a lot more interested even if it sounds the same in the end i th think it's a lot more interesting if something is created by yeah beating up your kitchen for example and trying out new ways and new paths than just going with the the standard tools for the standard sound you know what i mean like in, yeah in, and in i music, i would agree like, uh, the same the same thing in rock music right like there are some bands where it's just like yeah okay you're playing a fender and you have a marshall amp now <laughs> now what do you do with that do you do anything with that that like everybody else with a fender and a marshall amp hasn't done well that's questionable sometimes <laughs> i know i know exactly what you mean and it and i think i think that's another beautiful thing about about this type of music about noise music itself because so much of it it's not subjective, but so much of it is is open to however you sort of want to do things. I mean, there's there's recordings of there's recordings that I've done where it's just you know me and me and my one friend, and you know we'll get all of our equipment set up and we'll just we'll do a noise a noise like take I guess of you know just our rigs with our pedals running and that's about it. But then, when you get it, when you get to do this, this super harsh expression in a different context, like you know, switching over to like a live setting. Say there was the last live show I did. One of our while we were performing, I didn't realize it at the time, but my speaker cable came unplugged, so my rig wasn't responding at all, <laughs> and I didn't want to. I didn't want to stand around like an asshole trying to fucking figure out what wasn't working about it. So I just decided to go over and take my my bandmate and throw him across the room and start fucking with his rig, and then he realized that oh, I'll start doing something else now too. Like, there's this, there's a separate live aspect you can get. Um, this sort of this free flowing aspect where you can you can do stuff like that where I was like okay well my rig's not working so get the fuck out of my way and you throw him across the room and he goes okay well I'm going to you know throw this chair now or I'm going to start bashing against the walls or I'm going to use this I'm going to start hitting this snare literally until it breaks or something like that where you get this 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 
constant flow and you get to make these sort of aggressive sounds but now you have a visual aspect to it and there's so much room and there's so much that you can do that still is that pure expression of noise definitely i mean that's that's exactly what i what i was going for like you can why why i also think that these like I mean, it's something that I'm personally struggling with. I haven't performed live for a few years now. Um, and to be honest, I've been um, stuck in my little digital composing studio bubble for such a long time um, that I'm not even sure that I could do the things that uh, I do in my tracks normally, that I could do those in a live environment because it just doesn't make sense. It's too deliberate. It's too constructed. It's too strict. It, like I would have to find a completely different way of working if I uh, would get the opportunity to go live again because I, I just can't sit there. I, I mean, some people do, and I have a lot of respect for the craftsmanship behind that, but I'm not the kind of person that can just sit there and put everything to the exact timing they want in a live environment. Like You need to have some kind of raw influence and fluidity and space for improvisation when you do that so you need a complete in my opinion like for for what i'm doing i would need a completely different kind of setup um and i would make completely different music if i would play live versus what i'm composing in my little home studio environment yeah and i think i think too and it's it's always sort of been this way for me that i've i've always had to accept that no matter kind of what i do I'm never, I'm never gonna get the same sound, and I'm never gonna get the same thing, um, in a live setting that I would in a in a recording session. And I have to understand that, so I don't spend the entire time in a live setting trying to replicate that. I just sort of understand, okay, this is has this is going to be something entirely different, whether I want it to be or not. So what can I do? What about this context is unique and what can I really do to drive home that I can I can hold my own artistically in this live setting and that I can really work with what I have and use any sort of unforeseen instance or anything like that to what can I do to use that to get my message across or to get the same the same concept across as I would if I had the time to meticulously work at it mm -hmm. yeah completely completely my point <laughs> I mean but that's also the value of a live show right like I mean I I don't think I mean I personally wouldn't go to a live show to see things performed whatever genre it is whatever band or performer it is um, to see things performed perfectly the way they sound on like on a record like I, I want mm -hmm. this kind of difference. I want to experience um, this kind of different context and this kind of different flexibility. Because otherwise, honestly, I mean, if I, I, I had this experience with like, um, with like metal bands, especially where I go to a show and it's like, it's like listening to the record through a really, 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 really fucking good PA. And while that is like totally impressive from a technical standpoint, it definitely was never satisfying for me. So I I would definitely say like the the that's the yeah as you said that's the strength of noise especially that you can um, that it's not just about playing the song differently on the same equipment or not mixing things perfectly, but you can go fucking crazy in a live environment, and that's that's amazing. Well, and that's the thing. That's the th type of thing that people want to see. I mean, we, um, 
uh, two years ago in 2015, there was uh, there's this yearly music festival in Calgary, Alberta, and it's called Sled Island. And um, like for a good example is uh, this band called Piss Jeans. I absolutely love this band, and it's got one of the best names of all time. <laughs> That's but, definitely a kick-ass band name if I ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're they're fantastic noise rockers, but there was they played a show that year and i i still love explaining what this venue is it's this place called tubby dog and it's literally a hot dog restaurant that they turned into a venue for sled island and you know their 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 music is really aggressive and really abrasive on its own but literally walking you know 20 minutes to this hot dog restaurant that's kind of off the a little bit off the main the main scene area in downtown Calgary to see these to see these American dudes just absolutely lose their minds and their lead vocalist Matt Corvette just start throwing hot dogs everywhere and like <laughs> screaming on the floor like you you want to go to a show and see that new context and it doesn't always have to be you know that extreme it, that that same year I went and we watched this performance by Godspeed You Black Emperor and you know their sound is very orchestral it's very uh very beautiful but very haunting in the same way and it's always been that way on recordings and it's always sounded beautiful to me but when we went when i went and saw them that same year they performed in this very large uh church in the middle of downtown calgary and just that that new acoustic environment just it it really gave something else and the simple uh, the simple visuals that they had on a loop behind them, even that was enough to just create this new context of an already beautiful sound, and then this new acoustic of this big open, uh, this big open church building, and then these visuals behind them. So it do- it didn't even have to be a huge change, but just these these subtle differences can still make all the difference. So it's almost it's almost impressive in a live setting if a band can disappoint you because they sound too too good perfect yeah too perfect too good too clean yeah that's that's very that is a very very weird experience i mean it goes both ways well first off um lucky you for seeing freaking godspeed i missed them every single time they were in my area because i always had to work which well i uh, get mad. <laughs> Get yourself, uh, get yourself ready to book a little bit of time off because they are coming out with a new album very soon, Ooh. and they will be going on tour. Well, then I'm sure they're gonna come to Berlin. Then I gotta freaking catch that. It's gonna be like one of the three shows I go to that year, probably. <laughs> yeah, I I believe, I remember reading it. I remember reading about it, and if I remember correctly, they were really gonna piss me off because they. Uh, yeah, it was going to piss me off because they had like one or two dates in Canada and then they were just like, yeah, okay, see ya. Uh, yeah, because so. Canada is such a small country that you can just play two dates and be done with it. That, that's another thing that really aggravates me because there's like, I know that I'm in, um, like I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, so I'm not exactly like in the, the midst of everything cool that happens in Canada, but Whenever there's like whenever there's like a band that comes to Canada and it's always just like yeah, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, mm-hmm. and that's the Canadian leg of the tour. And it's like there's there's so more provinces where we we all want to come. We we all want to do that, <laughs> and no, we we get missed 
constantly. Yeah, you better prepare for a freaking six-hour drive, man. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's well, what you gotta uh, do then. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, there's usually it, if it's if the show is gonna go to like Montreal and then Toronto and then Vancouver. If I'm gonna go from Edmonton to Vancouver, it's gonna be about a nine-hour drive. Oh Jesus, nine hours. Christ. So yeah, so a nine hour drive with the second half of it because everything's okay. Um everything's okay while you're still in Alberta, but then once you get to BC and you're in the mountains, then you get like these really annoying like one lane highways that just wind everywhere and it's super difficult to pass anybody because you never get a straight shot. I, I don't think I could even like I think if I took a nine hour drive into like any direction from here i would definitely leave this country like i cannot take a nine hour drive at least not using highways and still be in germany and that's that's the that's the crazy thing that it's that it's so small i had this conversation with garmer too because i wanted to know how because and there's 50 states like there's 50 states and up here in canada we only have 10 provinces and three territories but you know they're a little bit further north but for every you know every province has a little bit of something to say for itself you know like unfortunately well i guess a little bit but alberta is probably as you know the texas of canada yeah i heard that before <laughs> of, of course you have so a james from new zealand i, I can't escape my roots here. <laughs> but but you know there's like per province there's there's a decently distinct you know culture to be said of of everyone and you know and i'm so used to the provinces being so so large that it's like yeah you know i could drive you know nine hours nine hours west and i've only moved over one province within the same country but like you said you can't go nine hours without going into a new country yeah i would definitely i mean i would end up in austria if i do that or Switzerland, maybe even Italy, depending on the on the route I take. But the thing is, like, I mean, while like a country like Germany is a lot smaller, um, I mean, and that like kind of brings me back to like the whole music scene thing. Like, it's so densely populated um, mm -hmm. compared to a lot of North America. Like, I talked about this with a with an ex roommate of mine um, who's from um, who's from the West Coast in the U.S. And it's like. Like she talked about these experiences of driving like five or six hours and there's just nothing there. Like maybe farms and like a freaking gas station every hour. You don't have that here. Um, and instead you have like some, and that like when you have the actual big cities, like they're huge and they're close together. I used to live in West Germany in the Ruhr area, which has like, I think at the moment, like 12 million people or something. Um, living in a bunch of cities that are so close together that there's basically no open space in between. Like you cross from mm -hmm. one into the other and you don't even notice that you changed cities. Um, and that does something with, with like music scenes in that um, it has this weird balance that like everything is reachable. Um, like it's really, really easy to go to a show, even a small show in Berlin. If you live like in the West, for example, it's like, okay, you got to get like, on the train for four hours or something it's not that crazy um and at the same time every single space is so dense in itself that they still form differences um it's not as it's not as prominent in something like noise music because that is a very very small subgenre. but um 
I experienced this like a lot in like punk rock and hardcore punk music where it's like you can tell if something's from Berlin or from Hamburg, even though it's just like one and a half hours separating the two. You you have a completely different style if you just yeah do a little little hop by other people's standards. Which which is absolutely crazy because you yeah, you like you said, you do have that sort of that sort of the, the small area, but the density is what really what sort of ties things together, but still remains distinct. But I mean, you know, like you said, you used to live in West Germany. There's 12 million people there. That's, I would, I would ar- probably argue to say, I'm sure I can check my stats on it, but I'm sure that's more people than live in my province. I mean, the two biggest cities we have are, um, the biggest cities we have are Edmonton and Calgary. And they both have about a, a population of just over 1 million each. Mm. And it, it makes me like a lot of the times, like, cause I, you know, driving is bullshit and everybody, everybody here sucks at driving, by the way, anybody here <laughs> from Edmonton, let's listening to this right now. You guarantee are garbage at driving. Uh, but I'm going to stay out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, they're, they're all terrible drivers. I think at one point Edmonton was rated the second worst city in Canada to drive in. And the only reason it wasn't first and that Toronto was first is because jaywalking is legal in Toronto. <laughs> that was that was the only reason they won. Wow. <laughs> well, they but, won. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I like I, I'll do my best to like avoid like traffic and like gridlock here. But when I still get stuck in it, I'm. You know, I'm just angry. I'm like, how are there this many people? There are so many people here, and they're all in my way. But I know that, like, in a greater context, like, my city has a million people in it. Like, there's no way I'm coming across, like, a fraction of that when I'm stuck in traffic. Yeah, I get, complete, I get that completely. Like, it's a, it's a huge freaking... I mean, I've been... The thing is just like like what I was trying to say is that it feels kind of weird having this kind of um this kind of density in music on such a small scale cuz like I mean when you talk to people like when you're European like me and you talk to people from for example Canada or the US and you hear the distances they drive for a single fucking show and mm-hmm. you hear like the timetables um involved in planning a tour there like like jesus you can you can tour oh, you it's can crazy tour europe and like the time you need to like get half a decent tour just in the u.s um, oh yeah it's it's crazy and yeah that makes for such a and it's it's just interesting to me how at the same time that that produces such distinct styles like i mean the whole west coast east coast thing in almost every style of music um it's like I always felt like that's a pretty universal divide, no matter if you're listening to like freaking punk rock, stoner or hip hop music. Like there's always like you're always going to be like, okay, this kind of stuff is from the south and this kind of stuff is from the west and this kind of stuff is from the east. And they all have like their like their particular identity. And here it's like, well, it's so much easier to reach everyone and it's so much easier to know everyone. And you still have these distinct styles. And it's sometimes... Yeah, it's sometimes kind of weird, you know, because you're like, if I if I only hang with like people from the other place that's like an hour around and like I like their music and their influence, I'm suddenly, am I suddenly disconnected from my local scene or can I still kind of 
find a place there because people here are doing something different which makes no sense because like they're so close to each other but they still have this really this really distinctive sound even though it's like you said it's so close and it shouldn't be different but it really is yeah that's that's just weird to me i have no explanation for that well it's it's this, and it, it, that's always been a thing too i think it's a, a bit of a european thing because even when uh when electronic music uh began um sort of coming out of the netherlands and there was this big this big divide where uh you know gabber was sort of a huge thing and oh, it came yes, out I of Rotter- and it came out of rotterdam but because they were such a different scene from Amsterdam, but they're only what seventy kilometers away from each other. Freaking nothing. Yeah, like it's it's nothing, and for here, seventy kilometers, it's like, yeah, you'll get somewhere maybe. Like it's it's, it's just, and it, it the 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 distances are so huge here, and they're so distinct that it makes sense when things sound different. But I I don't know, maybe it's just maybe for a, a dense country like Germany to to pull something like that off. Maybe it really is something more like the people that it has to be something. It can't be regional. It has to be who they're surrounding themselves with and sort of how maybe even a bit of an echo chamber affects. Like, yeah, that's what, what I was kind of going do. for. Yeah, that's what I was good. What I was aiming at, like it builds these weird little isolated echo chambers that sit right next to each other. Um, but you would expect them to penetrate each other much more easily, but they don't. So if so, all of this tying back to you, then would you say that you want to create something that is more, more has more of a draw in and is a little bit more palatable to more people? Is that maybe a conscious or unconscious answer and an unconscious reaction to the fact that there is so so much of these echo chambers that you want to be able to draw in as many influences and listeners as you can? Definitely. I mean, it it has been like power charged by um by being married to someone from a completely different country and um like being confronted with with a completely different musical style and biography uh, like elements of biography from there, but mm-hmm. um but even before I've always, I mean not necessarily from like an aesthetic experience, but like these these I mean you know how it is with the echo chambers right like it always. It always is weird. You're either yeah. super comfortable in yours and in like your little scene, your little like bar or favorite venue or squad or whatever, or it gets uncomfortable really, really quickly. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've never, I wouldn't be, I don't know if, if like I'm losing track of my words here. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want to have like a Berlin sound. Just like I didn't want to have a Hamburg sound before or a West German sound or whatever. Like I want to make something that I can, um, I want to make You want the Agamagon sound. Yeah, I want the Agamagon sound and I want that to be something that can be enjoyed by pretty much, like that will find people liking it pretty much anywhere. Which is why I was like really stoked when like James approached me, for example, because I was like, hey, there's like this guy from New Zealand who like is interested in what I'm doing. So it must have like some kind of universal quality and it's not just like, yeah, another German musician doing like his German European city thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think and I definitely think that you've 
I definitely think that you've nailed that mark and you've really taken you've really taken the absolute right approach where you have something that is palatable in a way that draws you in and makes you makes it's it gets you stuck and then you realize that you're uncomfortable. It's almost like a trap and you've done it in this I don't want to say anonymous way, but this borderless way. And I really really want to thank James for giving everyone the chance, you know, to do that, to to remove these sort of borders that the, the literal borders that would have kept us you know in the in the dark about somebody else's music and brought it all together and shown that there is so much to be said and that's kind of why I wanted to start doing this to begin with because you know I thought that James had such a wide audience and such a diverse audience and diverse list of musicians that he was working with where he could where I feel like everyone wanted to come on and have something to say. Mm-hmm. Everyone would have something to say about what they're doing because, in a in a way, this is such an anonymous art form. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've been that's that's something that I've been thinking about a lot as well. I mean, like uh, I I do record my stuff under like this. I have under this pseudonym. I've been huge into the whole like not not using my own face not using my real name using my own art uh, to represent myself more or less which is something that i'm refining currently and um it's not really but also aesthetically from the music itself i mean as you just said like noise especially is like is super anonymous it's not something where it's like i don't know it's not like it's not like rock music or hip-hop music where there is this this personality thing at front that much but it's a lot about like the the pseudonym the aesthetic the approach and it always kind of has this this mystery around the person which i think is rooted um a lot also in the history of noise music i mean if you look at uh, a lot of like great noise musicians built a fucking career out of being like mysterious and out of public spotlight and I think it's great to have the opportunity to like talk about the things I do and the th- listen to other people who do these kind of things, like talking about it as like actual people doing something um, and not just being confronted with this with this shroud of mystery that seems to go with it a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And and I do find that the, having that mystery is super important to a degree, but you know there's i can't help but i can't help but think that um when i listen when i listen to this sort of stuff that i wouldn't want to hear the the artist behind it at least say something you know cuz cuz you can glean all these all these details and all these inferences from what you're hearing and they might not even necessarily be about the artist himself but uh you're sort of left to your own devices, which I think is important. I think you should listen to something and come to your own conclusions on it, whatever it happens to be. But having said that, there absolutely should be a chance for someone, especially in an anonymous art form like this, where they should be able to get up and sort of say something about what it is that they do. And then in that way, you get a new context because if I listen to something and I draw my own conclusion and then I hear what the artist had to say about it, cool. Now I'm going to accept that as what was intended 
and I'm going to have a new perspective of context, but that's not going to change it for me because I didn't form that by myself, but now I have more input that I can really play with and sort of muddle around with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, that, I mean, again, it comes down to walking the line. Like if you're, um, of, I definitely agree with you like that, that a certain sense of mystery is important. Um, and that building a certain, well, that, that especially with noise, that um, it comes down to, like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the, the noise musicians that I, um, that I grew up listening to and that really formed me, like, their, their music lives also from this, well, this, this image and this unapproachableness, if that's a word. Um, I'll say it's one. Yeah, okay, let's just agree on that one. It's unapproachableness. Um, like <laughs> let's let's take I mean one of my one of my favorite examples is Monte Cazaza. Like mm -hmm. that guy has is either I mean I don't I don't know what's his deal and that's exactly the point. <laughs> but like this this man's career if you want to call it that is built around making himself a legend by doing by only stepping into the public to do the weirdest shit possible and never really showing himself or saying anything direct or open about his intentions or his music and while i find that i i find that fascinating and i do see the value in that um it can i sometimes feel like this kind of approach can make it really hard to have an honest conversation about uh, about the aesthetics and the scene and the music involved because everyone's just running around in these echo chambers again trying trying to be that kind of person trying to be like weird and unapproachable and making themselves into a part of the art piece um and that makes it really hard to sit down with them and be like hey so how are you doing shit like what's important to you what is your yeah, technique like you don't get there yeah exactly and you just because you'll never because as as long as that person remains this anonymous weird elusive figure in your mind, you're never going to be able to talk to them. So everything that they do is going to be completely alien to you. But I would like to think that at least now, and I would hope you would agree, that someone listens to this conversation and then they go listen to a Gamagon. Well, now they've got a new context and they sort of see where more things are coming from and they really get a more nuanced understanding of what it is that you're trying to do that would make me super happy if uh, if that was the result of this conversation i would really really like that because, all right so anyone yeah. listening anyone listening right now you've listened to this whole episode so do yourself a fucking favor get off your ass or get back on your ass i don't know how you listen to things and go find some agamagon and listen to that shit because you're going to appreciate it a lot more listening to this gorgeous man's gorgeous voice so <laughs> get into it thank you very much <laughs> But I think we're uh, we're about approaching about an hour and five minutes here mm -hmm. up on the show. So I think unless there is anything else that you would like to um, just any sort of final sign offs or anything you uh, want to quickly say before we wrap it up here. Well, I can uh, I would definitely like to do like a small little product placement bit here. Um, All right. For like the near future, because um, as you might have seen on my SoundCloud profile as well. Uh, I didn't release anything for a few months now. Um, mm -hmm. And that is partly because things in real life have been pretty crazy with moving to a new city, finding a new job and getting used to that. But um, most of my energy actually creating music 
has went into um, into working on a recording that is hopefully going to release very soon, um, is going to be released. Thank you. Language is hard. Um, <laughs> very soon on a small digital split with a good friend of mine um, who makes music under the name Red Red Red. Um, he's part of the of a small German techno label called Sonic Moiré, and we we went and uh, took some crazy animal sounds and warped them both in our own unique ways, and that's gonna come out soon. We're gonna have a nice little nice little split split release, and if that does well and gets a lot of listens, there might even be like a little tape EP release in the works. So even if you look at like my stuff and be like, oh, this guy hasn't done anything in like months, there is more coming. Follow that shit. <laughs> All right, everyone. Again, you heard it first. Agamagon. He's got new stuff on the way, so smarten the fuck up. Wait patiently and listen to that shit. All right? Uh, and also, before I sign off here, just, just before I forget, because I did try doing a, a quick little search here, it looks like uh, Godspeed will actually be in Berlin. When? And they will be there on November 3rd. Oh, that's that seems like a good late birthday present for myself. <laughs> Gotta oh, get some perfect. vacation time. They are playing Festal Kreisberg. Ah, okay. Yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, so they'll be there November third, so get I'll, into that. I'll be there too, so if anyone like wants to hang, there's a show that I'm going to. Perfect. Alright, man. Well, I think that uh, that's gonna about wrap it up for us. So I just I want to say again, thank you so much for uh, for having this co- this talk with me and for being on the show. Thank you for giving me this opportunity and for listening to me rant about music and the scene. <laughs> just like I believe everyone deserves to. So with that, this is TJ Sokoloff. T- wow, I fucked up my own last name. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is TJ Sokoloff signing off here for Visionary Objet Dart. And everyone can check out uh, Agamagon's stuff on his SoundCloud page. And that is soundcloud.com slash Agamagon uh, slash tracks. That's how it's showing up on mine, but I think it just takes you there immediately. I don't I don't use SoundCloud very yeah, often. Yeah, it, it skips all the repost bullshit. It's just my stuff right. if you go that way. All right, so everyone get into that shit. Listen to Agamagon. Listen to more of my show. And just listen to more noise and be excellent. So with that, I want to thank you, Art, for being on the show, and uh, best of luck to you, and, you know, keep fucking doing well. Thank you. Same to you. Excellent.
Mouse.